Joshua chapter 14. We'll read in just a moment, beginning in verse 10. When Moses made promise about the land of Canaan, that promised land they were going to inherit, you may remember that Joshua and Caleb were two of twelve, the only two who came back with a positive report, a report of faith. And because of that, Moses, when Caleb was only 40 years old, Moses promised him this land of Hebron or Hebron. And the other people didn't believe, but Caleb believed. He wholly followed the Lord. And because he wholly followed the Lord, he followed the Lord with all of his heart, he received this promise. Now in Joshua 14.10, Caleb is reminding the new leader Joshua, the successor to Moses. Caleb says, And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am, this day, 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out to war and coming in. Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. I want to preach today about a characteristic that I see in the great heroes of the Bible. And I certainly see it in this man, Caleb. Caleb and other passionate souls of the Bible had the trait of being relentless. So I would like for you to kind of tape that title to your mind today. Would you just say it with me now? Relentless. You may be seated. Well, you know my title, but what word best describes your approach to life? Is your approach to life casual, comfortable, complacent? And you reach the end of the road of your life and people that know you best eulogize your life. What will they say about you? Would they say that if you looked at society that you would have been among the midriff of mediocrity? You just kind of fit somewhere in the middle? Will you be among the happy-go-lucky, just so-so? That's good enough, people of the world. Will you be among the masses who drifted through life like a ship with no sails or engines, with no rudder to steer you? My purpose today is to tout a trait in the people of faith in the Word of God. The men and women who pleased God in the Bible had a sense of destiny. They had a drive, a mindset that typified their journey through life. They were relentless in their pursuit 
of God. I believe that this trade is not optional. It is non-negotiable. It is a required prerequisite for the people of faith. Now I know without faith it is impossible to please Him. That he that comes to God must believe that He is, that He exists, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. We believe that we are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. But every time I've seen faith get up in the morning, it's always dressed in work clothes. It's always got on hiking boots. It's always ready to go to work. James said, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. There's something about true faith that it always shows up ready to go and ready for work. In fact, in the great commandment, I believe that you see this relentless trait that should be in the heart of every child of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And because He is one and there is none beside Him, because He is deserving of all honor and respect that we can give Him, then the Lord said, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. It is passionate, not passive. Now I believe in being reflective, and meditation is a biblical principle that you think God's thoughts about himself. And it is fine to be contemplative about God and religion and life. But if your life is going to be typified by any trait at all, it should be your relentless pursuit of God. The Bible said you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Amen. All of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your might. Well, let me just pause and ask you a question. While we were worshiping the Lord today, what kind of worship did you offer God? Was it passive or passionate? Was it a relentless pursuit of God? Did you really want the miracle that I spoke about before I read my text? Is that what you desire from God? Or are you happy to come and go unchanged? Will you leave out those doors as you came in? Or will you have an encounter with God that you take hold of Him, amen, and say, I will not let you go until you bless me. The word of the day is relentless. Relentless is showing or promising no abatement, no letting up of intensity, strength, or pace. Relentless means that you didn't start strong and taper off as time went by. Paul spoke to the Galatians. He said, you did run well. Who did hinder you? When you started this race, you were all in. But something has happened to you and you have changed your posture. You are no longer straining into the race, straining into the wind. You've settled back into a casual walk. But relentless is showing no abatement, no letting up, no turning back, no slowing down, now no slacking up. Amen. Sometimes relentless is seen in a negative sense. It has a negative connotation because it is such an aggressive trait. 
If you looked in for synonyms of relentless, you would find words like constant, continuous, dogged, incessant, indefatigable, persistent, single-minded, tenacious, tireless, unfaltering, unflagging, unrelenting, unstoppable, untiring, and unwavering. When you are relentless about something, you mean business, and you will not stop until you get what you want. You're not taking no for an answer. Amen. People might try to steer you away from your goal, but you have eyes for the prize, and there's no turning back. They might as well get out of your way because you're going to get what you came for. Now, the Bible is a very honest book, and while it shows us those who were, who were relentless, it also gives us portraits of people who were not so passionate in their pursuit of God. When Jacob was praying blessings, prophetic blessings over his sons, his 12 sons before he died, he came to Issachar. Commentators say that perhaps he spoke about Issachar last of the four children of Leah just because he is almost not worthy of mention. Issachar, Genesis 49 said, is like a strong donkey, which is not a negative picture of him. But he is lying down between two burdens. He saw that rest was good, that the land was pleasant. And he bowed his shoulder to bear a burden and he became a band of slaves. Issachar had strength. Issachar had ability. But he was placed in a good and fertile land. But when opposition came against Issachar, rather than put up a fight, he succumbed to slavery. Kylan Deleuze commentary said that rather than to, he would rather submit to the yoke and be forced to do the work of a slave than to risk his possessions and his peace in the struggle for liberty. He is not the kind of person that founded our great land that said, give me liberty or give me death. He was a peace at any price person. He was not relentless. We all love the story of Joash, the king who came to Elisha as Elisha is about to die and he, he kind of cries over the prophet who is about to leave him. My father, my father. And, and Elisha says, I want you to take a bow and shoot some arrows. And then I want you to take some arrows and smite the ground. Whether he shot them or pounded them on the ground is up for question. So King Joash takes these arrows and he kind of passively taps the ground three times. Now, Elisha the prophet did not tell him how many times to smite the ground. He did not tell him how to smite the arrows against the ground. He just gave him an instruction with an expectation. God doesn't always spell everything out. He leaves something up to the broader understanding of what it takes to please God. Amen. And when Joash taps the ground three times, Elisha becomes very angry with him. And he says, you will only smite your enemies, the Syrians, three times. But if you would have taken those arrows and smitten the ground five or six times, you would have smitten them. You would have defeated them until you destroyed them. But because you are apathetic, unenthused, you will, not, you will only have partial victory. I am asking you on this Sunday morning, how much victory do you want? What kind of praise do you give God? What kind of passion do you bring to your faith? Amen. 
Oh, why don't we just clap our hands to the Lord and say, God, help me wake up from my spiritual slumber. Wake me up, oh God. Amen. Are you getting the picture? Love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, all of your soul, and all of your might, all of your strength. That's what you bring to the equation of God's supernatural promises, power, and provision. Contrast is a car. And Joash with my man Caleb. He had it. That relentless drive. Forty years old. Sent into Canaan land to spy it out. Of all the twelve spies, most whose names you will never remember, it is Joshua and Caleb who come back and say, we are well able. We can take them. The other said, well, we were grasshoppers in their sight. And that's how they saw us. Because that's how we saw ourselves. Caleb brought back what he called an honest report. A true report. And because of that, Caleb, along with Joshua, who became the leader, they outlived every other person in their generation. They lived to see every peer die off in the next 38 and a half years wandering in the wilderness. It is estimated there were at least 1.2 million people. We know there were 600,000 men over the 38 and a half years, 14,508 days. There was an average of 85 funerals every day. For 12 hours of daylight, about seven funerals an hour on the average for 38 and a half years. Caleb watched his generation die, a faithless generation, a fearful generation. He watched everybody that was around him. I don't think you need to blame your condition, your passionless life on everybody around you. Why don't you make up your mind today that I will be like Caleb. While the faith of others might die around me, I will not let go of the promises that God has made to me. He walks into Joshua's office. Says, you remember, Josh? It was you and me against the world, sort of. And Moses made me that promise when I was 40 years old. I wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. And because I have, the Lord gave me this promise. Moses told me that he would give me this mountain, the land of Hebron, where there were Anakins and giants and people that were too great for us. But he said, I want you to look at me today. Joshua, check me out, bro. I mean, they were close friends. They were the two men of faith. Look at me today. Remember what I looked like when I was 40. Measure my biceps. Check my time in a 40-yard dash. I want you to see, remember what I was 45 years ago. But check me out now, 45 years later. I'm just as strong as I used to be. I can go out to war and I'm coming back again victorious. I can still travel. I can still fight. I've still got it. Just what I had 
45 years ago. So because I have never let go, because I have been relentless in taking care of myself so I can take possession of the promise. Come on, Joshua, give me this mountain. And the Bible says that Joshua blessed him and he gave the land of Hebron to him because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord. I may not be appealing to everybody in the seat, everybody watching online, but I am looking for a Joshua. I'm looking for a Caleb today. I'm looking for somebody who says, count me out of the status quo. Count me in. Count me in with the relentless souls that please God. We need people that have the relentless spirit of the friend at midnight. He was not expecting company. When somebody showed up at his door late at night. Back then, they didn't have 24-hour grocery stores. It was all shut down for the night. So in the middle of the night, I'm sure he's thinking about whose house can I go to. And he decides on a friend's house. And he goes to the door and he knocks on the door of that house. And said, friend... I've got a serious problem. Lend me three loaves. Another friend has come to me on his journey and I don't have anything to set before him. We are fresh out of food. And from inside the house, and if you study Bible and customs, the types of homes, possibly this is the type of home that would have been on stilts with somewhat of a stable underneath and my trap door in the floor, maybe a one-room house. It makes sense when you hear his answer. At night, you would roll the mat out over the floor, the door, and you would sleep there with the, your entire family in this one-room house. Inside the house, there is the voice that comes back to the friend knocking at the door. He says, trouble me not. The door is shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you. Now, he didn't say, I don't have any bread. He said, it's just too inconvenient for me to get up and give you any bread. The guy at the door knew there was bread inside that house. And rather than go knocking on everybody's door and waking everybody up, he thought he would just stand there and knock until he got an answer. Now, this is not a random story. It is a story told by Jesus Christ. It is told about prayer. Amen. So he stands at the door and he knocks and he knocks and he knocks and he will not give up. And the man inside the house reasons he will not go away. So because of his importunity, a Bible word, which means somebody is relentless and they will not give up. Because he will not go away, I will get up and give him what he wants. And then Jesus applies the story. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives. Amen. Everyone that asks receives. And everyone that seeks finds. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Would you just say relentless with me right now? I will not quit knocking until I get what I came for.
Jesus told another story. And he prefaced it with this thought. That men ought always to pray and not faint. So Jesus said there was a, there was a city and there was a judge there. He's called an unjust judge. He did not fear God. He's not spiritual. And he doesn't regard man. Sounds like he's appointed for life or something, you know. He doesn't care what you think about him. He doesn't care about his popularity. He may be the meanest guy in town, and he doesn't care at all. And a widow comes to him. Widows in the Bible are helpless people, typify sometimes poor people, not always. But in the Bible, you hear the word widow, you're thinking of somebody who's somewhat destitute. And in this case, she was. And she comes to him and says, avenge me of my adversary. There's somebody that's on my trail that will not leave me alone. He is wrong. I am right. You're the judge. Do something about it. And the judge would not do anything about it. He didn't care about that little poor woman. She was just trouble. And all he wanted was for her to go away. But then the Bible said that Not for a while would he do anything. But afterward, he said within himself, No, though I don't fear God, nor regard men. This is the loose John's translation. This lady is driving me crazy. The Bible said, Yet because this widow troubleth me. I don't care about her. She doesn't mean anything to me. I don't care what God thinks about this. I'm only thinking about myself and getting a little rest and a little peace. But this lady's driving me out of my mind. She will not go away. And because she will not go away, lest her continual coming wearies me, I will give her what she wants. And then Jesus said, hear what the unjust judge says. If a guy like that who doesn't fear God and doesn't care about people will answer because you will not give up, what about you when you pray? Jesus said, when I come, will I find faith on the earth? Will somebody be asking? Will somebody be seeking? Will someone be knocking at the door? Will somebody be standing before the the judge saying, Lord, avenge me of my adversaries. Answer my prayer. I'm looking for an answer. We need to really understand the God of the Bible, the God of the universe, our God. That God is not an American He's not a Democrat or Republican. You did not elect him. You cannot impeach him. And it would do good for all of us to know how he thinks and he works and he acts. Not how we think and we work and we act. And these stories that are in the Bible are written to us so we would understand that God responds to relentless, passionate people in the Bible the word is importunity it is people that simply will not give up 
He knows our needs before we ask. I believe that when I pray for my needs, He is my Heavenly Father. He knows what I have need of before I ask. I can ask Him for my daily bread and for my needs. But there are some things I cannot explain it except to say it from the Bible. He says sometimes you ask and you receive. But sometimes you've got to seek until you find. And there are times that you have to knock until it is open unto you. If you are not praying amiss or faultily to consume it upon your own lust. If you are praying according to the will of God. It doesn't mean that God is going to microwave and answer for you. It does mean that he may be waiting to see if you are relentless or if you are passionless and you will go away. But if you know you are praying according to the will of God, keep praying, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Don't give up. When I was a kid, we used to sing a song. Every once in a while when we wanted to sing about relentlessness, we would sing I would not be denied, oh, I would not be denied, till Jesus came and rescued me. I would not be denied. And the verses talk about Jacob wrestling with the Lord, and Satan saying that the Lord is gone and would not hear my prayer. It was written from an African-American who was raised between here and Rome, Georgia, who wrote over a thousand songs in his lifetime. This man, Charles, uh, uh, Charles Price Jones, wanted to understand that God will answer, but you've got to be like Jacob who wrestled with the angel and said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will ask. I will knock. I will seek. I'm not going away. I'm like the friend at midnight. I'm like the widow and the unjust judge. You might as well hear me, God, because I am relentless in my prayer to you. We need to be relentless in our pursuit of God. Pray and not faint. Seek, knock. I received email updates from missionary Phil Tolstad, our apostolic, amazing missionary to the country of Uganda, a landlocked nation in East Africa. He wrote about a miracle in the Amatoa district. I'm a Lotar, Lotatar. He said, Pastor Moses Ocean's wife, Sister Jacinta, was at the market when she met a friend. While she was talking to her, a daughter of that friend came running up to her mother and said to her, my other sister that was sick at home has died. Now the pastor's wife in the market, she's just shopping. She's not in church. She's not expecting a miracle. She's just buying food in Uganda. When she heard this report, Sister Jacinta ran home with her and a friend. They arrived. They found that the neighbors were already preparing this girl's body for burial. Now, we don't understand this either. But in many countries where people are poor, there is no embalming. There is no waiting. Within 24 hours, 
it's said and done, the body's buried before they begin to decompose. When this pastor's wife got there, she said, can I pray for your dead daughter? And they said she could. She prayed for about 20 minutes. And God raised this girl back to life as a testimony to the healing power of Jesus' name. But I want to ask you, when is the last time you prayed about one thing for 20 minutes and did not stop and did not give up? When is the last time in this church or an average Pentecostal church that there was unrestrained, sustained praise that lasted more than about 60 seconds? Because our attention span and our passion level doesn't run that deep. I'm not being critical. I'm being real. 20 minutes and the little girl is raised from the dead. And the village is amazed and believes God. And this pastor's wife, sister Jacinta, leads many of them to the Lord in the church there. 20 minutes. Of incessant knocking on the door of prayer. And a girl is raised from the dead. And a village is turned to God. But then I read another report more recently. And I saved this. I marked it. I didn't know for when. In Musuli, M-U-S-O-O-L-I, village. Two weeks ago I received this report maybe about a month ago from Brother Tolstad. A family called a pastor to come pray for their son who was dying. He had been tormented by a devil, by evil spirits for several years. They had tried many things to help the boy, but nothing worked out. The pastor and two elders went to pray for the boy who had died. After several hours of prayer, After several hours of prayer over a lifeless body. Not 20 minutes of prayer. Several hours of prayer. Prayer that said, hey friend, lend me three loaves. A prayer that said, hey judge, avenge me of mine adversaries. A prayer that said, hey, Joshua, give me this mountain. A prayer that prevailed over the power of death. After several hours of prayer, life was restored to the dead boy. Push the pause button right now. Most of American Christianity doesn't understand what I'm preaching right now. Too many people who call themselves Christians cannot find time to pray. 
But I'm preaching today about relentless prayer, about a relentless pursuit of God that must be reborn in the apostolic church if the power of God is to fall. We live in perilous times. We cannot have complacent saints. We cannot have just plain old church. We cannot dwindle down into another denomination that holds a doctrine but denies the power thereof. Would you just relentlessly clap your hands to the Lord right now? Okay, 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 you're doing great. Hold on just a moment, because when you leave, you'll say whatever happened in that story. So be seated just a moment, please. After several hours of prayer, life was restored to the dead boy. The evil spirits were cast out. The Muslim father told Pastor Mahulu, we have been in the Islamic religion for 20 years. And we have given much money to the witch doctor as well. That reminds me of the woman who had an incurable hemorrhaging of blood. Who lived for 12 years going from doctor to doctor to doctor. Trying every experimental cure available to her. And the Bible said she was not better but she grew worse for 12 years. Long years, but she made up her mind. If I could just touch the border, the hem of his garment, I know that I will be made whole. But when she got to Jesus, he was surrounded by all kinds of people, but she would not be denied. She moved her way, she pressed her way through that crowd of people and touched the border of his garment. And when she does, the Bible said that the fountain was dried up, she was made whole of her plague. Jesus said, Who touched me? That aside said, what do you mean who touched you? There's people all around you. But Jesus said, no, somebody touched me with faith. Somebody touched me with expectation. Somebody touched me and virtue went out of me. We've given much money to the witch doctor. We've never seen anything like this. They said, truly, Jesus is the real God. Victory. As the pastor was witnessing to the family, the neighbor came shouting into the house, screaming that his daughter was dying. And the pastor needed to come and pray for his daughter at the neighbor's house. The story is that the girl had been mixed up with this neighbor boy in witchcraft and evil spirits. And the demons that had been cast out of the boy had gone and were tormenting the girl who lived next door. And she died. 
pastors, the Bible said, prayed all night. One pastor's wife prayed 20 minutes. These pastors prayed several hours. And now here's another dead body in the neighbor's house. And Brother Tolstad said, they prayed all night until the sun rose. When the demons left and she was raised from the dead. Both of these families were baptized that week in the name of Jesus Christ and received the Holy Ghost. The news spread of the power of God. The church has been in revival and full and miracles and wonders by the hand of the name of Jesus Christ. Is there anybody who would say with me, make my mantra that I am a relentless pursuer of God. Is there anybody who will be constant, continuous, dogged, incessant, indefatigable, persistent, single-minded, tenacious, tireless, unfaltering, unflagging, unrelenting, unstoppable, untiring, unwavering in their pursuit of Jesus Christ? Would you step out of where you are and join me in an altar and say, God, wake me up. You need a miracle, and we know the miracle worker, but he's looking for somebody to press their way into his presence.